There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Thanks to a massive grant, Max Mike Movies has moved its offices to the bright expanses of the South Pole. Why, you may ask? Ooh, damn, it's cold. Uh, well, because it turns out there is a lot of interest in knowing the effect of intense cold and magnetic resonance on movie critics. I know, I know. This sounds really, really weird. Uh, made up, even. But I assure you, that's where we are, and that's why we're here. <laughs> Only we, Max and Mike, can bring you the freshest reviews of movies from only about 40 years ago. Uh, here, where things never seem to decay. Oh, uh, hey, Max, let the dog in, would you? He's scratching at the door. Mike, we don't have a dog. Sure we do. You remember the dog we have. You remember, and you want to let him in. And you want to take him into his little room by yourself. Yes. Wait, what? Yes, you do. No, no, I really... And I'm not acting at all strangely or suspicious. This is how I always am. And it's how our dog is, too. Mike, wh wh why are there tentacles coming out of your... Oh, my Lord! Those are just there to help me with the show max and they can help you too why they can even announce the fact that on this week's episode we'll be talking about john carpenter's the thing oh yes they can mike the dog and the tentacles leave or the pony gets it bumpy no uh, oh, just kidding. I'm really Mike. Totally not an alien loose. And that's Max. Why are my eyes glowing Levine? And we're just ordinary podcasters and totally not from another world here to assimilate the entire human population. I mean, if we were aliens, could we ask you about our... Poll question... Last week, we were dying to know what movie you thought was the defining movie for your generation. Here are answers that were yours and what they were too. From Facebook, Adam Mark was first up with, quote, I'm a millennial. Without question, it would be Lord of the Rings trilogy 2001 to 2003. These films came out right when millennials were in college slash high school. Firstly, they are amazingly good writing, acting, score, special effects. Peter Jackson earned every ounce of that Best Picture Oscar for Return of the King in 2003. These films could very easily have been massive flops, collapsing under their own weight of expectations, purity tests, and egos. Instead, they are masterpieces for the ages that welcomed in dedicated fantasy fans and newcomers alike. Second, they have become sewn into pop culture, proving their duration and remain mainstays of movie quotes, memes, and the like. Anyone anywhere will recognize the films, their actors, music, and quotes. Third, they came out in the midst of 9-11 and build up to the Iraq War. Their parables of good versus absolute evil, the corruption of man, and grand multi-year adventures had, in my view, enormous resonance during those dark and terrible days. Remember the discussion on whether the Two Towers 2002 should be renamed to, what, Freedom Towers? <laughs> Sorry, mm. just, yeah. I cannot think of a series of films that hold greater meaning and affection for my generation. Also, Money and Power did corrupt, and the subsequent Hobbit trilogy, 2012 to 2014, demonstrated just what an unmitigated money-grabbing contempt for the fan base, the public be damned, are you not entertained? Disaster LOTR could have been. Millennial film runners-up, also all film series, Harry Potter, Toy Story, Twilight, end quote. Wow, we love those long really? answers. Yeah, well, I mean, for... It was popular, I cannot deny that at all. Line. <laughs> Line. Anyway, thanks, Team Adam. Team Mustache Dad! <laughs> yeah. Next was Matt Reisman, quote, I think there are three, technically six, Lord of the Rings, Dark Knight, Iron Man. They proved everyone is nerdier than they admitted. So they started admitting it. All that geeky stuff is now cool and mainstream. Also, my generation was kind of the end of thoughtful indie films. It's all just blockbusters now. Actually, you've got to add Harry Potter and Twilight, too. 
My generation wasn't the birth of the mega franchise, but we definitely came of age with their explosion, end quote. Whew, lots and lots of answers. Thanks, Matt. Tyler Stewart offered, quote, Star Wars for me, I saw it in 1977 and it forever haunted my destiny, end quote. Yeah, we were all forever changed. Thanks, Tyler. Val Coons, blah, 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 Q, footsteps, blah, posted, quote, <laughs> I'd have to agree with Star Wars. It's been such a huge influence on entertainment in general since its release. I'd also say The Big Chill, though, if just for the soundtrack. See our entire episode on The Big Chill. Last week. Last week. For my musician circle of friends, this is Spinal Tap. There's a mm. lot to relate to there if you've been there, end quote. Interesting that she chose last week's movie, too. Thanks, Val. And eventually Max will actually get to say something besides Bumpy gets it. <laughs> Hello, I'm Max. <laughs> Are you? Put the tentacles away, Max. As far as you know. <laughs> Nick Hoffman gives us, quote, I can't pretend the original Star Wars wasn't it for me. It's the whole reason I moved to L.A. Um, did he think he was really? going to meet Luke Scar? Anyway. <clears throat> that said, there are others that are close seconds for me in terms of generational impact. Holy Grail still makes me laugh until I hurt and fills my thoughts with absurd quotes on a constant basis. It changed our, Americans, appreciation of comedy and still stands out as a cultural creative force. End quote. Well, you can't argue with that, can you? Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Nope. Benjamin Carl stated, SW for its effect on the SFX industry. That's a lot of letters, for sure. The Godfather is a masterpiece for storytelling and one of the original anti-hero films. Reservoir Dogs democratized filmmaking in many respects, proving that budget wasn't as important as character, end quote. I'm going to assume that SW is Star Wars and not Super Wanda. <laughs> I think it was Storm Watchers. I'm, maybe it was Super Wanda. Remember that film? <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody does. No. Thanks, Javi. <laughs> Ralph Smith offered simply, Star Wars. Thanks, Ralph. Yeah. George Saulnier was next with, quote, I'd say for my generation, it would be more the summer blockbuster trend, beginning with Jaws and Star Wars quickly at its heels. It was the trend of seeing films multiple times and films aimed at the teen young adult market. Studios shifted to making big budget action adventure around that time, end quote. Yup, and yup again. Thanks, George. Charles Forsyth seems to agree, quote, like George, See, I would say Star Wars, but that movie was riding the new summer blockbuster trend. Star Wars, however, changed movie merchandising forever and in a way that was more significant to my generation. I mean, I'm wearing Deadpool socks. These wouldn't <laughs> exist without Lucas changing the game with an ancillary merchandise. End yeah, quote. That's a point. I'm seeing a trend here. Uh, thanks, yeah, Charles. Yeah, I think we've got a pretty pretty solid uh, front runner Can here. Can I uh, put $5 down on Star Wars for the win? No, you cannot. Boo. I don't want to get in touch in trouble again with the Podcast Gaming Commission. Boo. Pete Krychet, however, disagrees and throws an interesting wrench up. Quote, the correct answer for us Gen Xers is... Correct. The Breakfast Club, end quote. Oh. Huh. Hmm. It is kind of a good point. Thanks, Pete. Yeah. Geneva Brunetti's turn is next with, quote, Millennial here. I'm going with the original Jurassic Park. While it did come out the huh. day before my third birthday, I remember watching it around four or five. We all know how the revolution... Wait, wait, your parents took you to that when you were four or five? I the mean, movie about dinosaurs eating people? And she didn't run out like you did in Yellow Submarine, just saying. Thanks. Excuse me, I had to be carried, thank you very much. <laughs> we all know about how revolutionary the CGI was for the industry, but not really to kids at the time. Me, at that point, at least, was familiar with animation and sitcom shooting-style layout of live-action shows. Oh. Kids' shows, anyway. Jurassic okay. Park was a lot of firsts for me personally. First time seeing dinosaurs. First time seeing adults in adult situations, but with a kiddish theme, dinosaurs. And, important... Kids, first time experiencing cinematic fear. First time I was really able to digest what CGI was. Another big movie with big effect. Thanks, Geneva. Okay, that's oh boy. fair. Deep breath time. Dave, yep. that's Dave, Dave. Mac-Man. The Mac-Man. Nobody can pronounce that name. Wrote, quote, um... Not really sure what my generation is or whether it can be viewed as monolithic. If we assume movies made after I graduated high school, i.e. after 1981, then there were a couple of major social trends that I see embodied in the movies. Wall Street and either Red Dawn or Top Gun. Perhaps oh. Platoon as well. The 80s had yuppie culture and the Wall Street movie is a symbol of that. Yeah. The financial capitalists were reaching out to build political will and they persuaded us that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. 
Thank you, Gordon Gecko. <laughs> now that 40 years have passed, we can see just how good. The 80s also represented a rise in nationalism. Platoon dumbed down the negative feedback of Vietnam, allowing us to get over it, while Top Gun and Red Dawn sold the fantasy of heroic battle to our citizens. I suppose the Terminator also lands in this space. For counterculture, a lot of us seem to have watched Rocky Horror, but not sure how it influenced us. If you count more formative years, then add in Star Wars, Rocky, Rambo, The Deer Hunter, Saturday Night Fever, and Jaws, of which Star Wars has been the most lasting, end quote. Wow. I really That's a lot. I, but I really like the way he breaks down the question. Yeah. That was really interesting, too, about the whole uh, psychology of the 80s and the way both Wall Street and Rambo, in effect, represented two very different but kind of overlapping mindsets and cool. um good one dave i'm rather frightened that i think he's right <laughs> yeah i think he is thanks dave meanwhile mm -hmm. up where they made this week's movie or wait is that uh, down where i is, think that's down where is canada anyway and what's with all the penguins it's not a real country oh. they made it up ah, yes it is <laughs> <laughs> anyway vince had this to say quote I wasn't paying enough attention to know what would represent my generation. In fact, I haven't the slightest idea what my generation is. The closest film I can think of that represented many people around me would have to be the Rocky Horror Picture Show, though less the film itself and more the scene in the theater watching it, end quote. Well, it all depends on who you are and how many walruses you've raised, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Vince. But how about you, Max? What is your choice for the movie that represents our generation? Oh, God. I don't know. I asked the question, and I, I'm not even sure of it. Star Wars is the obvious answer in terms of what influenced the culture and movies in general. The movie I always thought kind of embodied our generation's emotional state was The Graduate. That feeling of, you know, this idyllic, idyllic world of the, so, the su supposed idyllic world of the 50s is over, and we have no idea what to do now. But is that really our generation? I thought so. But I, mean, I don't know, that 19, one, 1967, 68, something, something like that. So you and I were like in single digits. Yeah, but we're, that's technically the boomer age. I I mean, if that's what you feel, I'm not going to say your answer is yeah. wrong. I think it's a little, I, we're not boomers, at least I'm not. Oh, that's right. Uh, you are. I am. I'm a tail boomer. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, I know. I have to take a lot of my Lanta, but... Um, <laughs> Maybe too much, and that's the yeah, problem. Possibly tail too. boomer. <laughs> tail boomer. That was that was my that was my call sign in the air force that's too. Disgusting. <laughs> huh. The graduate. Huh. What about you? I mean, you know, it it keeps coming back to the same movie every time you ask a question. It's Ilsa She Wolf of the SS. <laughs> No, I know. I, you know, Star Wars, here's the thing with Star Wars. The only reason I would argue with Star Wars is that Star Wars, A, is still going. And so it's therefore true. doesn't really represent any one generation only because it's still representing everybody who's caught up in it, right? I don't know. I thought they were referring to the individual movie, the 1977 film, Star Wars, not, you know, episode four, A New Hope, whatever. I mean, if, you, if we're going to take a little lesson from dave you could say that that was the beginning of pretty much throwing reality out the window in movies right because there's literally no science in that film it is all science fantasy uh, oh come on the science fiction movies of the 50s didn't do that no but there were films that definitely were trying to aim in that direction and certainly star trek was trying they wanted it to be and you had films like silent running you had films like 2001, mm. and so there was definitely an effort being made to depict some of that yeah. space race and stuff. Star Wars is more, has more space magic in it. Well, it's, it's uh, what do they call it, space opera, right? By the weird science magic it's of his magic helm, of your helm, a yep. <laughs> mental focusing and projecting device of, of uncanny, uncanny power. power. Yeah, so in a lot of ways, things that come after that tend to be a lot more fantastical. And in that way, I think that it's still having impact on movies today because look at the superhero trend once. And I totally agree with Matt. The idea that mm. the nerd culture has become mainstream to the yeah. point where it's the dominant culture. I don't know about you, but I didn't see that coming. No. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know. That's a toughie. I, I mean, I'm probably going to pick Star Wars because I can't literally think of anything okay. else. That's fair. But I could also see it be one of the John Hughes films like Breakfast Club or... 
maybe not Ferris Bueller as much as I'd like that to work. That's sort of later. That's more of a Gen X film. Well, I am Gen X. That's uh, true. Yeah. Just because you're a tail boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, as always, we love the answers, so thank you all. Thank you so much. Very cool. Well, thank a lot of good stuff. Yeah, we'll thank you again next week yes. if you answer this simple question. What is your favorite horror movie and why? Ooh. Tell us and we will double the prizes in new boxes Ooh. of Bumpy Puck cereal. You fool, you'll bankrupt us. Our listeners are worth it. But while you're waiting for that, we have trivia about The Thing. Facts. Budget, $15 million. Take, go ahead, Max, guess. Uh, $120 million. 19 oh. to start. Okay. Initial critical response wasn't good either, but time would change both of these things. This is supposedly the favorite film of its director, John Carpenter. Yeah. The creator of the special effects in this film, a man named Rob Botton, was only 22 at the time. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah. Did he did he ever hang out with uh, uh, Rick Baker? Because there's a lot of Baker-esque stuff here. No, but he did ask. Was it Stan Freeborn? I think for help, who did come on the film and said, "Yeah, you don't need to credit me. It's fine." People were really impressed with him because he kind of came out of nowhere, and quite honestly, he changed a lot in horror effects after this film. So. While the exterior shots were filmed in British Columbia, the interiors were all shot in L.A. To make it seem cold, they made it cold, dropping oh. the temps down to 40 degrees Fahrenheit inside while it was a breezy 100 degrees Fahrenheit outside. <laughs> yeah, breezy. Um, what the hell was that guy saying? Uh, the Norwegian trying to shoot down the dog in the opening uh, of the film screamed something uh, at our heroes, oh, but they can't oh, I understand could tell. him. Give me all your herring. No, that is not I, even close. Oh. The translation of what he was saying reads, quote, Get the hell out of there. That's not a dog. It's some sort of thing. It's an imitating a dog. It isn't real. Get away, you idiots. End quote. Which uh, seems about right. So, I think I was right with the herring. No. Probably because you're hard of herring. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta play two roles. The burnt out remains of the Norwegian research camp those are actually the American remains after being blown up because it was a lot cheaper to just double-purpose them. <laughs> Thrifty. I thought I recognized them <laughs> not a, at, in no way. Hey, they saved a quarter of a million dollars by doing that, so good wow. for them. This film is sort of the first part of a trilogy, even though it has no sequels. What? Carpenter places this as first... Prince of Darkness second and In the Mouth of Madness last, naming them the Apocalypse Trilogy. Really? I thought In the Mouth of Madness was a, an attempt at a Lovecraft adaptation. I don't remember because I never saw it. <laughs> Didn't see Prince of Darkness either. As a total coincidence, and this apparently is a coincidence, two of the main characters are nicknamed Mac and Windows. <laughs> 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 yeah, I didn't catch that either, so... I missed that completely. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, one of them wasn't John Hodgman, so I couldn't tell. Sure. One of the reasons cited for this movie not doing well in its initial run is that the big movie of the year, E.T., portrayed aliens in a more favorable light, <laughs> and audiences decided that they were more in the mood for that. That's what they want us to think. Who? The aliens. Right. This was John Carpenter's first big-budget studio film, and, um, yeah, it didn't, yeah. Oddly, they would make a prequel to this movie in 2011, but give it the same title minus the John Carpenter's part. It follows the story of what happened to the Norwegian team before the beginning of this film, right up to the point where the dog runs away and the two remaining members of the team chase after it with a helicopter. Huh. Yeah. Sadly, most of the rest of the trivia for this movie involved the usual guess who was originally considered for ah. this role or this special effect required 50 people or even the ubiquitous one of the original scenes shot but deleted was. Ah. So uh, at least that's all I have for this week. What, what about yeah, you, Max? No. Nope, I don't have any other trivia. Well. Oh, except, oh, sorry, one, that uh, Childs is played by voice acting genius Keith David. How is he a genius? Like, what is he known for? Oh, good heavens. He's Dr. Facilier from uh, Princess and oh, the Frog. Wow. That's yeah. Cool. He's done, he's got like 200 credits. He's done everything. Doesn't Facilier, isn't that brain in French? <laughs> no, no, it's like a facile. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fromage facile. No, fast means fast. 
Fromage facile is French for fast cheese or easy cheese. <laughs> okay. I don't oh, know. It's, 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 yeah. Easy. Yeah. Anyway, I don't it's just, French. I think it's based on the English, uh, with the French rooted English word facile, meaning, mm. you know, slippery, easy, hmm. cunning. He was a cool character. I wish that film had been better, but he was very cool. And yeah. it really awesome. If you go to Disneyland, they have someone dressed up as him because that's uh. who your kids want to meet. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, would you like to make a deal? Yeah, uh, he's also one of the he's also the general in uh that oh, movie hell, the with Bruce the, thing. the the Bruce Willis asteroid movie. Oh, not Deep Armageddon. Impact. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of those. Not Armageddon, Deep Impact the other one, yeah. Deep Impact, yes. <laughs> uh Max, you got <laughs> everything wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> but now we have the plot. There's a spaceship from space. And it seems to be on a collision course with Wacky, I mean the Earth. <laughs> it crash lands somewhere and we lose track of it. Next, we seem to be in Antarctica. There's a dog running from a helicopter and someone's trying to shoot it down. The dog keeps running, finally managing to find an American research base where it finds refuge. Those in the helicopter who don't speak English brandish weapons and seem threatening, especially to the poor dog. So when they shoot, who can blame the Americans for shooting them back and destroying the helicopter, which for some odd reason seemed to be filled with barrels of kerosene? McReady, played by Kurt Russell, is not in charge, but is the most headstrong of them. He decides to go off with one of the others into the foul winter of this subarctic to see what the hell is going on at the camp where this dog and copter came from. When he gets there, he finds evidence that these folks found a real live flying saucer frozen in the ice as well as something else they managed to dig up and revive with fiber. And what the hell is that? A corpse that looks more like a twisted up version of a bunch of different people is brought back to the American camp. Turns out things are very much not what they seem and an alien species is loose and stalking the Americans as it did the Norwegians in the other camp. It kills, then perfectly imitates what it is destroyed down to the cellular level. And now that it's been thawed, it will continue its sneaky rampage until McReady and crew can figure out a way to not only tell which of them is still human, but a way to end it once and for all. It's a cat and mouse and mutant hell beast chase in the dark and cold of penguin country with a thrashing intelligent icky monster hot in the heels of our heroes. Can they survive? Should they? And can they kill the thing in time to protect all mankind? Well, the movie was made in 1982, so it seems so. Or is it? The film. So, Max, as we have started with this particular series, I will ask you, why have you never seen this film? I'm not a big horror movie fan, and this one... Looked scary, so I didn't want to see it. That's pretty much it. I'm, John Carpenter is famous for being really scary. Yes, and interestingly, like some of his more scary films that I've seen, like, oh, I don't know, uh, Halloween, <laughs> not really all that scary. Yeah, okay. I mean, maybe it's because of the times and they're allowed to do more things, but uh, I've seen Halloween. I mean, certainly Escape from New York is not scary. Uh, Escape from L.A. is not good. <laughs> Yeah, what well. else did he do? Um, oh, Kurt Big Russell? Trouble is wonderful. No, John oh, yeah. Carpenter. Oh, John Carpenter. Yep. Yeah, but uh, I I never thought of this personally as a horror film, but I, that's also because I saw it. So you've you've avoided this film the entire time, yeah, because you thought that it was going to be a horror film and then therefore scary. Yes. Now. Before we're, because we want to keep this as long as we can till the end. Having seen it now, would you still call it a horror film? Yes, absolutely. Really? Oh, yeah. Why would you say that? Well, for one thing, there is a killer on the loose murdering people. That's the most basic form of horror. So is The Predator a horror film? Yes, it is. Really? It's it's horror science fiction. Huh. I wouldn't consider it now. How about Alien? I know the answer here. Mm, that is definitely a horror film. That's a haunted house movie. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, who I don't know about that one. It's like, really? No. no, that's a haunted house movie. Now, have you seen Alien and or... Um, Predator? Predator. Wait, yes. Have, have I seen Alien? Have I seen Predator? Yes. I've seen both of those. Okay, but not and the I, thing. I, nope, never did. Hmm. I saw the original thing. Yeah, but... The Howard Hawks one. Yeah. Which, Which this, really, you can see echoes in this. Well, they're both based on the same book. Yeah. 
But there are even, there's like a couple of shot recreations. You notice uh, when they're looking at the video from the Norwegian camp, the Norwegians are standing in a circle around the ice, uh, acting as sort of a human outline of the frozen spaceship, Mm -hmm. which is right out of the original. It's true. And the guy running on fire out into the snow. That's another one that was in the original. Apparently Carpenter specifically did not want to just make a remake of the film. And he wanted to keep closer to the original story, which he did. The original film had a man in a suit. And that was specifically one of the things that Carpenter says, I don't want a man in a suit. No, no, the the alien in the thing is much more disturbing and more frightening, and the themes of the movie are very different. The themes of the original, that's basically Cold War fear. Sure. I mean, hell, what he's yelling at the end, keep watching the skis. I'm sorry, <laughs> skies. <laughs> I assumed it was about athletic wear, but <laughs> now, keep watching the skies. Don't stop. You know, basically, be afraid. There's going to be missiles coming or, you know, look out for Sputnik or communist bombers. It was very much a Cold War movie. This is much more about suspicion, paranoia, and, in a, and like, uh, I don't know if I'd call it mob mentality, but... That whole idea of how close to the surface our basic fears are Mm -hmm. and how easy it is to turn on each other. Well, interestingly, there was a parallel that Carpenter was trying to deal with that totally went over my head. And I didn't see it then and I didn't see it this time until I went doing trivia. What was there was a very big thing that was starting to come to the surface about now. It's still a little early, but it's the Iran Contra hearings? No. This is the early 80s? I don't know. There was a lot of stuff. What? AIDS. Oh. Right, yeah. Now once you hear this, like, okay, because they're testing blood. You can't tell who's what. Mm, interesting. Yeah, so... That's a kind of disturbing one, the idea that, yes, if you have this infection, you're a horrible alien monster who's going to try to convert people to your alien agenda? Well... Yeah, I want to come back to... Think of the children! I want to think... Oh, I mean, let's face it, that's going on now, right? I want to come back to that, though, because there's definitely some... There's a couple of questions I wanted to ask you about this film. But we have some actors. Now, here's the weird thing about this film. I, If you asked me who was in this, I did forget one of the people, but as soon as the film starts, like, oh, right, he's in this, of all people. But other than that, I could name one actor in this film. Yeah, I knew Kurt Russell was in it. That was it. I had no idea... That uh, Mr. Quaker Oats, <laughs> Wilfred Brimley himself, is in it. Eat your oatmeal. Yep. Play ping pong and eat your oatmeal. <laughs> Don't get diabetes. <laughs> so why not start with him? Wilfred Brimley, they actually hired him to be the everyman character. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I w- guess. one of the reasons is they wanted... So, all right, we talk... It's in the theme song. Spoilers are coming. If you haven't seen the thing and you want to, there is no way to talk about this film without talking about some of the spoilers. So this is your last warning. If you want to go off and watch the film first, get out. (laughs) I got to be leaving. Bye. (laughs) No, then uh, go see the film, put us on pause and come back and we're back. So they wanted a character that could sort of disappear and we wouldn't notice. Did you? Did I notice that Blair disappeared? Yeah. Long yeah. enough. Long enough for him to, because when he comes back and he starts like wrecking stuff, my feeling was, oh, he figured out what's going on and he doesn't trust anybody. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Turns out, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's because he's an alien. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know Wilford Brimley from one other role. And that was a... Uh, Battle of Endor, Ewoks Adventure. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you never saw Cocoon? Oh, that's right. See, I forget, see, he's a perfect everyman. I keep forgetting he's in anything. <laughs> Except he has such a distinctive voice. Yes. He has that great resonant voice with that strange sort of, you know, I don't know what you call it, speech impediment. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Some people might call it an accent. Oh, speech something. impediment. <laughs> you heard it yeah, here he's first. Also, he, yeah. yep, he was also... Uh, I remember he was Kevin Klein's dad in In and Out. Okay. Well, He's been in tons of stuff. I- I'm sorry, whose dad? Uh, Ke- the Dark Prince himself. <laughs> the, lo- the Lord of Shadow, the Evil Master. I thought that yep. was Scott Baio. Um, 
And of course, who can forget him as Harold Smith in Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins? Sure. I'm going to go with Everyone, I hope. Yeah, I hope everyone. He's fine. Yeah, he does it a good job. And I hate to say this, but pretty much everyone I think is going to get the same note. Nobody's really a standout here. Even Kurt oh. Russell, to an extent, yeah. does a fine job, but there's no one character that's really like, wow, they did a great job, or wow, they suck. The one that surprised me the most, and I didn't recognize him until the credits popped up, was yeah. Richard Masur. Oh, what what do we know him from? I know uh, that he was name. the boyfriend from One Day at a Time. That's it. That's where I know him. I generally don't like him. He played a no. character at one episode of Mash called Digger. Uh, he was also oh yep yeah yep. he he was an episode of Mary Tyler Moore Show. He I he's sort of a big lump, and he's he always strikes me as one of those people you just look at him and go, he seems very moist <laughs> and squishy. Yes, and I have to say. He does a really good kind of quiet, brooding, threatening, like... He was the dog guy, right? Yeah. Right. See what I mean? I had no idea it was him at all. Yeah. So I'll give him a slight nod because okay. I didn't recognize him and he's not a character or an actor that I generally even like, but we have a whole bunch of people in here. They're mostly character actors. The only other one I recognized was Donald Moffat. And the only reason I know is because he oh. played an Android on, I think it was the TV version of Buck Rogers. Donald Moffat has done everything. If you look at his IMDb page, he has over 300 credits, but he used his, to be in a ton of Westerns. His eyebrows have 400 credits. <laughs> yes. His eyebrows have their own IMDb page. Um, we have David and T K Carter as, Childs and Nalls, and they're fine. Yeah. I mean, everyone's fine. It's not, it's more a movie. It's really not a movie about character because we don't no. learn much about anybody in the film. Not a lot of backstory. I think that's kind of the point. These are just a bunch of guys, just yeah. a bunch of not average schmoes because they're working in a research lab. You assume they, somebody there has to have be qualified to do something. It's, I gotta say, this is the least scientific-looking <laughs> bunch of scientists I've seen. Well, but let's face it: if you were stuck in yeah. basically the South Pole, you'd want at least a few guys that could take care of things. Like, yeah, you know, McReady is apparently one of the two pot chopper pilots, and yep. he seems, quite honestly, he seems very capable. I mean, Kurt yeah. Russell, he's competent, you know, and you know that's what he's there for. He's not there to do research; he's there to keep the, the others from dying. Yeah, somebody said, here, we're going to give you a large chunk of money. All you have to do is sit around, advertise for J&B Scotch. I mean, <laughs> be a proper pilot yeah. and just be ready to fly people around and do dumb things. And he's like, yeah, yeah whatever. And it's fine. I do have to say one nice thing about this movie is it does, and this was a big thing in the 80s, it does not fall into the standard trope of the black guy does not die first. There are two black men nope. and they don't, and they die last, if anything. And actually, one of them doesn't, sort of. Neither of them is the villain. No. But we'll come back to that because yeah. there's stuff. Anyway. So, yeah, I would say it's solidly acted, but there's not a lot of character there. I think with what they were given, the people are, that are in this film do a fine job. Please note, there is not a single woman even mentioned in this film. So, eh, yeah. That's, well, if the situation doesn't really call for it. It could. Why couldn't there be women researchers up there? In the 80s, there would not have been. I suppose. But I, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like, NASA had a thing. Sorry, this is sort of apropos of nothing, but kind of the idea of, they don't. They often wouldn't put women in these isolated posts because they were afraid, like, oh, they'll, you know, everyone will just start having sex. Um, yeah. So. Well, they were talking about how they were thinking of sending an all-female crew to Mars because that way no one would have sex. Um. Like, uh, guys, are you? these robots? <laughs> uh, yes. I, I think guess. someone old someone needs guys. to. I'm pretty sure someone <laughs> needs to explain about who can have sex with whom. Um, so, so I see. They understand that in prisons, there's this thing called prison gay, where yeah, you're not yeah. gay, but you need to have sex. And so something happens, but apparently they don't think women... Apparently they have not thought about space gay. Okay. Yeah. Because three years to Mars? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, we need to sit down. With Someone's changing teams, yeah. Um, so yeah, acting-wise... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. There is one woman in this film, and that is oh, that's right. Adrian Adri Barbeau plays yes. the computer voice. <laughs> yes, which I am sorry. Never mind all the other science fiction. 
the one I call no way moment yeah. is the 1983 chess program that talks. No, and it talks in Adrian Barbo's voice, not in an 8-bit voice. Now, Max, you have one thing wrong. It's not that? Two. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> that makes it a whole year less likely. <laughs> well, then there's later where Wilford Brimley's character, Dr. Blair, oh. is just asking questions. So, uh, how long would it take for this alien? Oh, it would take 27,000 hours. I'm sorry, based on what? Yeah. And the things like it's like, hey, this is what's happening. Like the computer, like the computer on the Enterprise isn't as smart as this thing. I'm like, wow, you just happen to have a program about alien assimilation on a floppy disk somewhere. And he's list- literally asking web search questions into this yeah, TRS yeah. eighty, you know, that, and it's giving again, him answers. So that's it, my no way. It does not ruin anything, but it no. did kind of, you know. It brought out my inner computer nerd going, excuse me, I do not believe. Yeah. I wish it was more inner. Uh, <laughs> 27,000 <Bite> hours. <laughs> turns out to be, is that with a Y? Turns yeah. out to be a little over three years, by the way, which yeah. quite honestly, that actually felt about right. To yeah, get I, to every corner everybody, of the world. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we have a decent cast. Um, I want to say, I, I when I saw this film, I don't think it looked as good as it did when I rented it last night. Oh. It was a really nice print. Very nice print. I expected it to be kind of grainy in that way that 80s films are. And the cinematography is actually really good. I like, mean, you talk about the characters and the acting being adequate. This is not an acting movie. This no. is all story. This is all about what's going on. Right. And literally, like you said, it's a bunch of guys dropped into a situation where they're like i'm sorry what what just happened that's the only other thing and honestly this hap this is understandable because it happens in every kind of science fiction movie like this they figure things out awfully fast well i think the reason they do is they come across that corpse in their norwegian camp and they're like um um what's that and they have enough records in the videotape of them going, oh, they found a spaceship and they did what? They dug something up and brought it back and they they thought it and it became that. And then, of course, then the dog, the, oh, and I guess, oh, this is the performance. Honestly, the best actor in this film <laughs> is that goddamn dog. That yeah, dog that, was amazing. <laughs> it was. It sat so still. It was so eerie. Even when it's in the scene, when they put it in the pen with all the other dogs, which when that happens, I'm like, oh, this is going to go badly. Well, now, I have to want to ask you this because you hadn't seen this film. Did you know anything about it, really? Yes. Oh. I knew the plot. I knew the idea. Oh, okay. That's too bad. I wanted to know if you had been taken in by the opening of the film because when I first saw it, I was. It's like, oh, no, no, get the dog. You have to get away. You have to get away. My first thought was, you know, oh, stop shooting the puppy. And then it's like, oh, (laughs) oh, no. But that's only foreknowledge, right? It's a bad boy. It's not a good boy. I think it's a great opening because it It really gets the audience on the wrong side to start. And it also shows you how you would fall for this. Yep. So, yep. yes, spoiler, we told you. The The scenery, I think, is gorgeous. And I honestly thought that the sets felt like where they were, and I did not feel a disconnect between inside and outside at all. No, I thought it worked really well. Yeah. Uh, and the pacing is terrific. It just moves along. The tension is amped up really high. I would. That's one of the reasons that I like this film so much, is that there's not a single jump scare which i absolutely no. hate even when the music like is telling you by the way we're about to scare you dave is that you jump ah! it's never dave <laughs> never ask that you know it's not dave and yet i fall for it every yeah. freaking time even though so the music do I. is I telling me sucker for it and they don't do that there are some moments of really good tension in this film my favorite of which is at one point, they're like, okay, somebody's infected, maybe more than one, I don't know who. Kurt Russell has been basically threatening them with a flare, a lit flare in one hand and a stick of dynamite in the other. And he's like, y'all need to tie yourselves up, we're going to test your blood. And he gets blood from all of them and he puts a hot wire in it, which is apparently from the book. 
And he puts the wire thinking, oh, if this blood is infected by the alien stuff, it's going to react differently than if I just stick it in somebody else's blood. And we all go around and we all think we know who's going to be the bad guy. And in general, we're all wrong. Yeah. And when, but he was right. McCready was right. The blood does react when he sticks a hot wire into it. But it's a great moment because <sighs> something surprising happens. It's not who we think it is, and most of the casts are tied to chairs. Yeah, so they're all and they are reacting exactly the way you would think, which is screaming their heads off and and yelling at him to untie them. Yeah, and meanwhile he's like, "I have a flamethrower, and that's it. Oh, good, it stopped working." Yeah, that's okay. That was another question I had. Why do they have flamethrowers? Uh, it might actually be they might use them to clear off things like landing pads and stuff. But you can't do that with a flamethrower. A flamethrower, and that's the other thing they do in the movies, you can use it for like five or eight seconds. Oh. You cannot use it for these extended sprays. Flamethrowers have been, they haven't been like banned by treaty, but they were discontinued years ago by the army. They're just too dangerous to use. But Max... With refills, you can make Bugs Bunny yeah. and Rosso the Clown. <laughs> they're also considered inhumane. They're incredibly, they're a horrible way to kill somebody. Uh, if it's an alien, that, I don't care. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> huh. Or if it's a stunt man wearing one of those heavy suits and running into the snow. Well, if I remember correctly from the original movie, they basically had, I think there was one or two guns which very quickly get taken away. Yeah. And they're like, uh, the best we can do is we can rig up some wires yeah, they make an electrical hole. arc, basically. Yeah, and they, they lure James Ernest, oops, <laughs> I mean, the thing through it. Who, if yeah. I remember correctly, in that movie was plant-based. Yes, he was. Which, he was a vegetable. Yeah, which I guess freeze better. Bird's eye, Clarence Bird's eye. Oh, sure, know. that's why they could freeze it and unfreeze it. So, one of the big selling points of this film, which admittedly didn't work at the time, was yeah. the special, horrible makeup effects. Yeah. In general, what did you think about those? Gruesome. Yeah. I thought they were really effective, especially, not just for the time. I'm still sitting there going, you know, here in 2023 going, ew! Yeah. Oh, God, he's putting his fingers in the guy's head. Ew! I was watching it, and my partner was there, and then when they do the initial autopsy of the giant twisted multi, yeah, yeah uh, and it's pulling out organs, <laughs> my partner just looks up and said, that's a cow's kidney. <laughs> And then he pulled up a picture from the internet and went, see? I'm like, <laughs> of course he okay. did. Okay. So hey, he wouldn't have to prove it to me. If he says it's a cow's kidney, I believe him. Well, and here's the thing. Maybe there were Norwegian cows at the other oh, base and it turned sure. into a cow. <laughs> sure. The Norwegians, are, yes, because the South Pole is known to be very hospitable to cows. <laughs> Well, and here's the thing that I'm going to give them a pass on. Two true reasons. One, yeah. how would I know? And two, uh, I don't think you can easily obtain human kidneys to use in movies. I, I hope you can't. <laughs> no, of course, I'm sure they were animal. And I'd like to think they made them into a nice steak and kidney pie afterwards. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Rob Botton, I think, did a tremendous job because he brought out a style and type of latex slash horror effect that we had not seen before and quite honestly every single creature that he had um evolve in front of us i don't know a better word was really nightmare inducing at one point seriously the head of one of the people that was <laughs> alienized upside down grows spider legs out and starts walking around now you see that was an effect i knew about because that was on the cover of like every movie magazine, every horror movie mar magazine, every horror magazine yeah. in the 80s for a long time. That was a big image for if horror effects for years. Yeah. That head. And it is still freaky as hell. Yeah. There's a couple of times where I think that they take the effects a little too far. One of them is there's a point where the, the head walking down the, the, the hallway quite honestly has like a radio control car underneath it and the legs are just sort of going <laughs> on the sides. Okay. but And there's one point where one of the doctor characters is trying to do an uh. autopsy and Suddenly, the stomach turns into a giant. Pair oh, he's of not jaws. doing autopsy. He's trying to give the guy CPR. Oh, that's right. And the and then his his torso opens up and bites his hands off. It turns out that they actually used a real um, what do they call that? A uh, person who's lost their a, arms. A, oh, oh, we, who uh, filled in. And oh, wow. they put on prosthetic limbs made out of gelatin and stuff so they could bite them. That I thought was like okay, I'm not buying this. 
Because that like, was a little. That's true. That was a little much. That none of the others had been quite that bloody. Well, I didn't mind the blood so much. Just the giant stomach jaws, like, huh? <laughs> yeah, that, that was a little too much of a, huh? Get this, huh? huh? Well, I also couldn't help but think back to that Monty Python sketch about Mr. Sam Peckinpah's uh, uh. garden club. When it's like, oh, what is simply soup a day? Catch! And like people's... <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit Everything, much. Everyone starts bleeding, yeah. But in general, I thought that they were both very effective and for the most part didn't take things too far. I think the final transmogrification scene is, pre is it came right up to the edge. Yeah. But I don't think it goes over. I think it's what it should be, which is like, this is, a, you know, boss form or final form. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wow, that's friggin' horrible. I also really like the fact that the film is kind of a full circle because we start the film with the dog and it comes from this camp we know nothing about. When they first go out there, it's like it's a burnt ruins and they're like, why in the world is this place burnt? Why did this guy kill himself? Like, what could possibly have led to this? And the movie goes, basically, um, let me show you. <laughs> and it does, but it's a very natural progression and you totally understand why these people cut off from everything would suddenly start going and doing crazy things like they do because... I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, the last two, the only two left are McCready and uh, Childs. Yep. Who didn't really like each other from the beginning and you can kind of tell why. They're both very alpha male. Yeah. But they're just, I also like how quick, how they both, everyone involved realizes when McCready says, we're not going to make it through this. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, I get that. You're right. We, you know, we've already, we didn't want to say it, but we've all come to that conclusion. The only thing we can do is try to take this thing with us. We have to stop it. We can't let it freeze to be found by the rescue team. We have to destroy it now. So speaking of the ending, a lot of people considering, consider this ending to be rather ambiguous. Huh. How did you see the ending? I didn't think it was ambiguous. I was afraid it was going to be like we'd see the dog running away from the camp or something. I think they're they've sat down to die, okay. and that's what's going to happen. And I, the the this the idea I got from the movie itself was that the creature was dead. So I have some trivia I wanted to leave to this specific point because I found the ending to be kind of ambiguous. We're pretty sure oh. Kurt Russell's fine. Yeah. Childs we're not sure about. At least I wasn't sure about. And here's here's some trivia related to the ending. The film's characters apparently do have an ending of sorts. They made I know a lot of people will say this doesn't count but bear with me. They made a video game about this movie in 2002, which is that point what 30 years later. No, it's 20 years later. 20 years later. 20 the plot involves the fact that McReady survives and is picked up by a rescue team, but Childs, the other survivor, freezes to death. Carpenter has stated that he considers these details canon. However, mm. later on in Reddit in 2013, Carpenter himself notes that at the end of the movie, McReady is shown breathing while Childs is not, suggesting that he is indeed an alien and that his freezing to death is exactly what it wanted. And then... Later, later, Carpenter has decided that neither of them is a thing at the end of the movie, so you decide. Did you get any impression at all that, that Childs might have been an alien or McReady? Nope. Okay. I liked, I liked McReady's explanation. Look, if either of us were going to surprise the other one, I don't think we're in a shape to do anything. There was apparently a, a scene shot, and I, you know we don't usually dwell on these things, where they showed... That the J and B bottle, the ubiquitous yeah. J and B <laughs> bottle, and yeah. trust me, if you like scotch, pick a better brand. There's a lot of better scotches out there. Uh, the J and B bottle is filled up by McCready with gasoline to be a Molotov cocktail. It's not scotch. Oh, so when he gives that. it to to Childs and Childs goes to drink it, he should react as if it's gasoline, and he doesn't. I don't remember seeing that. As I said, it was a deleted scene. Uh, yeah. So, but. Uh. Hey, yeah. as I said, there's almost no way to talk about See, this film. I'm sorry, that, does, I, I, that doesn't mean anything to me. The fact okay. that the director says, oh yeah, later I decided, <laughs> or from this thing, it's ambiguous. I'm sorry, it's a little too J.K. Rowling. Oh yeah, Dumbledore was gay. <laughs> oh, yeah, you didn't okay, notice. <laughs> okay. It, 
if you say so, there's nothing in the movie to indicate that. And I, the movie has to stand by itself. I don't care what the director says uh, we should have noticed or that was he wanted in there. I don't think the ending is ambiguous. I think we're watching two guys who have just sacrificed themselves and watched their friends sacrifice themselves to save the world. I did find it ambiguous, and I did find that my thoughts about Childs were not 100%. Okay. McReady, I pretty much was, but Childs, I was, because there was too much time where he was off camera, and he said, oh, I got lost or whatever, and then he just showed back up. So, And here's the other thing, is a lot of times when you're, they were talking to the people who were infected, they almost didn't seem aware that they had been. Yeah, that was the part that confused me a bit. Well. I mean, that were they, I mean, they used the word assimilation at one point. Well, but, here's, uh, here's the other thing I had wanted to ask you about. Was there ever more than one? I think there was, because Blair is one. Yeah. And then the squishy-looking guy Benning's, with the red oh, no, hair. Uh, Clark. Clark which, uh, no, no, not Clark. Do you, not mean, you mean Bennings? Bennings, yes. Yeah. Bennings is one at the same time. Okay. So I think there had there. I was curious about that too because I couldn't quite tell. I think there were at times more than one. Because it would seem a pretty lousy invasion if I can turn into one person at a time. <laughs> yes. And I your mean, point? How is he? Yeah. Well, how's this? You're going to infect the entire planet in twenty three thousand in twenty seven thousand hours? Yeah. Infect what? You know, you're you're just going to eat everyone, or? Well, it didn't even eat them. It just. Well, I guess it, we don't know. I'm yeah, glad we, we didn't need to see it. I, I assume that it can multiply, that it can spread itself to other beings. Well, and it seemed to be the case where if you got any of it in your bloodstream, that was enough. Yeah. So it was basically a cellular-based alien life form or had the ability as its whatever its original form was, because we never really see it, to replicate itself by... Inject, injecting some fluid or other. Or I whatever. thought it was interesting that McCready and a couple of the others call it an animal, forgetting the whole time it had a friggin' spaceship. Yeah. And, and guess, it was building another one. That was, I, huh? Where yeah, did that, that was, come? yeah, I remember thinking, okay, wait a sec. Does he, he's got like welding tools and machi a machine shop in this ice cavern that he has somehow dug in the last few hours? Well, I was really? willing to believe that he had always had that little space for himself because he seemed like the kind of character who wanted yeah. to be able to escape from other people but being able to drag all those parts down there without anybody mm. seeing it eee! and it's kind of saucer shaped like really that's what you're making okay that's fine yeah there's a couple of things here that yeah. don't but that speaking of, oh, i was gonna say speaking of things that may or may not work do you want to get to that part yeah the finish so max you you'd never seen the thing never seen it do you hate me no, it, it uh, did not haunt my nightmares. Yeah, it wasn't that scary, was it? It's a little scary. It's gross, and it's disturbing. So I can't say it was fun. And but, it does not change my opinion of horror movies, and I still don't want to run out and see any more John Carpenter horror. Okay. I don't want to watch Halloween. It's on. It's got Jamie Lee Curtis in it. I know it does. In a role that will surprise. No, it won't. And Donald Pleasance. Yeah, but he's always creepy. See our yes. entire episode on the invasion of the body snatchers. Uh, ah! uh. <laughs> but what did you think? I think this is really well made. It's hard to watch cold, you know, because it has been such an influence. Mm -hmm. And I did know a fair amount about it. And I had seen the original and I, I knew, yeah, I knew about the head and I knew, basically I knew what the plot was. So it's kind of hard to go into it, you know, knowing all that, but it's really well done. I mm. mean, we talked about all the performances are solid. The characters are solid. It's just believable enough. I think it's good. I think it's really well done. I would, uh, I'd say it, I'd give it a solid recommendation. Well, now you had seen it. When did you first see it? Oh man, I've only think I've only seen it actually once, and I want to say it was mm. sometime in the '80s on videotape. Okay, <laughs> and I thought it was a very solid. I think of it as an action film with horror elements, but I don't. And I guess it is sort of a haunted house sort of story, but I didn't think of it as a horror film like a slasher film, and I didn't feel like the whole purpose of the film was to scare me. It was mm. to make things tense. So it's a tensioner or something. <laughs> I thought it was very well done. These days, I would say 
while it, it it seems slower than it did in the 80s, it's still well paced. Like I was never bored. I was I was interested. It's if you like character, this isn't your film because we really don't know anything more at the end of the film about these people than we did at the beginning. We're just glad that the spaceship landed in Antarctica because uh, if it yeah. had landed anywhere near people, this movie would never have taken place. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but it had the most subdued Ennio Morricone score ever. Oh, boy. Yeah. He actually apparently tried to make a score the same way Carpenter would because Carpenter usually makes the scores for his own films. Oh. Yeah. Didn't so know that. Yeah. Up to and including Big Trouble in Little China. That's all done huh. by John Carpenter. But it actually... Um, earned Morricone a Razzie Award for Worst Soundtrack. Or, I'm sorry, nomination for oh. that year's Worst Soundtrack, oh. which I yeah. I didn't I didn't really notice it. It was funny. No, I didn't either. Do you think it would hold up to today's audiences? Uh, I don't know. That's that's always a very hard an- question to answer. I think if, you know, you're a horror movie completist, yes, you want to you should see this because you can see the influence it's had for decades. I think it would still work. I think so. I think there's still it's still a good solid story. Yeah. People might sort of smirk at the effects, but I I think they would like it. I think it still works. For, I think it would still work for a modern audience. Do you agree? I think that it's a little slow paced for today, mm. and I think some of the effects would have been better if they had had better technology at the time. That being said, for '82, the effects are amazing. Even the spaceship looks fine. Like, I have no yeah. problems with the spaceship. It's there for 10 seconds. But, you know. Doesn't look ridiculous. No, it doesn't at all. Did this film remind you of anything? What do you mean? It reminds me of everything. It reminded me of the original thing. It reminded me of, uh, God, I don't know. What, I mean, do you th- what, are you, what are you leading toward? Alien and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Kind of a mix of the two. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see both of those. Because there was apparently a lot of, like, criticism about the fact that it felt like those films and let's face it alien really started this trend of yeah if you want to call it sci-fi horror that's fine um or action horror yes and also started the damp aliens (laughs) (laughs) squishy a lot of a lot of very damp monsters in those movies you know always shiny and slick and oddly lubricated (laughs) in hr geiger's uh, case Kind of disturbingly so. Yeah, oddly lubricated. There you yes. go. Uh, we rate this film OL for oddly lubricated. Yep. I will say that space is a really great way to isolate your characters, but so is Antarctica. And I like yeah. the fact that it's like, I totally see why they're isolated, but they're not far enough away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly, because there are other research centers there. There's the, uh, the, the Russians are there. Yeah. And dogs. <laughs> Doggies. So if you learn anything, it's don't trust huskies. Yep. But, uh, so yeah, I think if you're the kind of person who likes sci-fi action horror, I think that it's worth seeing. I think, yes, it is a little dated, but it's this film is over 40 years old. So, no, it's, yeah, 40 years old. Yep. Uh, so you have to give it a little bit of leeway. But otherwise, yeah, I... I watched and enjoyed it, so very yeah. surprising. Yeah, I, I'm. I can't say I'm glad, but I'm not sorry I watched it. Cool. It's nice to sort of add that to uh, the roster. Yeah, but we yes. would like to go over that uh, most amazing part of our show, which is the poll question. It's most amazing because we don't have to write the answers; you nope. do. <laughs> <And Ha-ha>. you, <laughs> yeah. So if you would tell us, speaking of science horror or whatever kind of horror, what is your favorite horror movie and why is it your favorite horror movie? To yes. answer this question, you can email us directly at us at maxmikemovies.com, which means you can go to our website as well and see all of our episodes where they all have little places where you can leave comments telling us what you liked, what you didn't like, give us suggestions. Hey, remember a couple episodes ago, we had a nice email that we read back from one of our listeners who wanted to give us some feedback on what they thought of our opinion of the movie. We love to hear that stuff and we will read it out loud on the show. Yes. And as soon as he pays us, we will release his family. <sighs> Why must you ruin things? <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> it's not true. Hey, we have a Facebook page. You can go to Max Mike Movies on Facebook, and you can also leave answers there or comments or whatever. All that stuff is there. It's where most of you do so. You can, uh, as I said, do it on the website as well, like Vince does. 
Uh, he is a superstar. But we are also available on pretty much every podcast app that has ever been or will ever be invented. So yep. if you haven't already heard us at this point, which I don't understand how you couldn't if you've got this far, yeah. then you can find us there. And you can also pick us up through the weird science magic of any helms you have lying around. Yes, especially that. But Max, yes. uh, we've only got one movie left. Yes, we do. So and we, deci- we decided with this one to have one that neither of us has ever seen. Yeah. Not just a movie we've never seen, but a it's genre, genre. <laughs> if you will. Can a you really gen- call it a genre? <laughs> kind of. I, I think you meant, hey! Hey! <laughs> yes, we are taking on that that genius in France, Jerry Lewis, yeah. and the the crooner, crooner boy himself, Dean Martin. Yes, we're going to do a Martin and Lewis movie because neither of us have ever seen a Martin and Lewis movie or a Jerry Lewis movie. Which is almost unbelievable, but maybe it was just taste. <laughs> Yeah, we'll find out. We're going to do uh, one that we're told is the classic, Scared Stiff. Yeah. Which is not the porn parody, by the way. <laughs> it has nothing to do with this week's film. But no, uh, no. yeah, next week you will find out which one of us identifies more with Lewis <laughs> and which one of us di- identifies more with Martin. And is either one of us a nice lady? This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.